This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Toys R Us report, recorded live from inside the Pooptronic Cellular Undersea Base 0001, 6.5 miles below the ocean surface. Soon as the beat is felt, he's ready to go, so fasten your seatbelt, because he's about to flow. He's your host, Icy Robots. If you're looking for me, you better check under the sea. It is your dude, Icy Robots. And I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week. Each and every week, make your week a bit less week. And this week, it is going to get so much less week. We got a ton of fun stuff. We're going to talk to Iceberg. We're going to talk about my comic collection. It is. It's going to be great. Let me find this file that I got that I got here on the drive. Um, it's around here somewhere. All right. Hold it now. Hit it. <laughs> Check one, check two. Check one, check two. Listening to the Toys R Us report. No one understands the lonely perfection of my dreams. All right, we are back, and true words have never been said. Nobody understands the lonely perfection of my dream. That is, that is, of course, David and Michael from Alien Covenant, which I which I recently saw again. It played on uh, HBO and I watched it. And I'm like, the first time I wasn't so sure about this movie, but I, I kind of think that, I think this is a really good movie, man. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of weird stuff and a lot of gross stuff. But if you, if you kind of take it in from a distance and you don't, you don't like, you don't try to get too serious about it. If you just have fun, it's a, it's a good flick. That was... That was a new joint from our dude IB13 DJ Iceberg 13 and he uh he and Instant Kate did that. I don't know I don't know where dudes are doing stuff at. I'm I'm still kind of like poking around the station trying to get my bearings trying to trying to find where it is that I can that I could record and get a, a nice environment but I I haven't found that yet. I I kind of got to got to admit that the that bubbling sound that you hear as you go through the uh, through the undersea base it is 
it is somewhat relaxing in a way. I, I kind of think I like it. I don't know. It feels like, it feels like I'm inside of a fish tank. It feels like I'm inside of that little castle that you put at the bottom of a, uh, of a fish tank. Do you guys got fish tanks? I don't have one. I haven't had one in forever. I've never, I've never in my life, adult life, had a fish tank that was, that was like the sort that needs a, like a pump or whatever inside. I've never had that kind. I've had a few fish bowls, but, um, I've never gone all the way. It's kind of cool, I guess. It's not really, it's not really my cup of tea. They reinstalled the fish tank over at the Cottingtown Mall, and I, I saw that when I was over there the other week, and I, I kind of liked it. It's a, it's sort of like a tribute to the, uh, the firefighters and stuff. Man, around here, we love firefighters after that last, uh, last fire, man. I gotta, I gotta give it up to those dudes, but I, I'm not up there as much as I like. I've been, you know, just down here trying to get my bearings, trying to, trying to find out what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Not, not a lot of help is forthcoming from the other, the other chaps down here. They don't... Honestly, I don't feel as if they've taken much of a liking to me or IB or even Engineer Emily, who's who's as nice as the day is long. Ensign Kate's having a hard time. We just kind of we just kind of stick to ourselves, you know. We we try to find places we can do this. I I have Emily out there on the hunt for a uh, like some kind of a space we can find and we can have. But we're the we're the low dudes on the totem pole, man. So it's all. It's all bad right now. Let me, uh, I got Iceberg. He's actually here in the room with me right now. Let me, uh, we don't got the fancy booth, you know? It's not like I'm in one booth, he's in the other booth like it was up on the Jupiter moon base. This is, this is Gorilla Radio at its fullest. I got, I got Iceberg here. Uh, let's see, you know, Iceberg, hey man, what's cracking? What do you think about being under the sea? I pretty much hate it. It's so boring. There is no arcade. Yeah, there is no arcade. There's no arcade. There's no game room down here. It's very, it's very much, uh, you know, just utilitarian, I, I, I guess. I don't Maybe they don't like to have fun down here. And I also think fish and water in general is gross. Being wet makes me want to vomit up my internal lubricants. I've never seen you throw up. That's... That's something that you actually do. I don't like being wet that much either. But fortunately, you know, we don't have to go, like, in and out of the station like some of these other fools do. We're just kind of, like, in here. I don't... I don't know. I kind of find that it's, like, a surprisingly dry kind of, uh, atmosphere, you know? There's not, like, any drips or anything. Just gurgles. That gurgling sound is vile. It makes me feel like I am inside some flesh bag's stomach. For the most part, I turn my auditory receivers off if I am not with you or Emily. So if you're not with me or Emily, you turn your ears off? Uh, I don't know if you want to do that, man. You kind of need your ears in case, in case of danger, dude. And what if somebody's talking to you? You're gonna, you're gonna come across so, so aloof. The sound is horrible. I want to die. It's not that bad, dude. I, I don't. Why would you say that? That you want to die, iceberg? That's so. That's so morbid, man. If one of these these fish scientists down here hears you say that, they're gonna they're gonna put you on a seventy-two hour hold, dude. As long as the hold was on the surface or on Callisto, I would be fine. Come on, IB. I don't love it down here either, but it's not that bad. It is the worst down here. All of the fish scientists that work here are super mean. Yeah, they're not too nice. What do they what do they do to you, dude? 
one of them tried to swat me aside with the broom when I was looking at a giant puffer squid out the porthole. Whoa, you saw the you saw the giant puffer squid? I heard some of those fish scientists talking about that. What did, what did it look like? It was horrible. It was at least 60 feet long and as puffy as a balloon. I almost fainted because of how ugly it was. At least you got to see it, though, dude. Those fish scientists have been flipping out, man. That's like, that seems like the number one goal on their to-do list to see that thing. At least at least he got to see it. I don't know. That's something, right? Maybe it was something, but it is not something I wanted. I am considering going into my memory and deleting the info. It would be like I never saw it. I don't know if you want to do that, dude. That seems a little dangerous, like, messing around with the inner workings of your mind. I don't tell you what to do with your brain. Do not tell me what to do with mine. Okay, dude, fair enough. I won't... Do you, do you hear that? The, the, the girl I picked up. It's like... It's like there's something something going on outside. Let's... Let's look at this portal. Dude, look! Look, it's the puffer squid! It's... It, Ugh, it is super ugly. Ugh. I told you as much. You can see its insides. The one that I saw looked like it had swallowed a car tire. It swallowed a car tire, huh? A white wall, if I remember correctly. Did you see the squid go by? Yeah, it, it, we just it, we saw it go. It's super gross. Did you take a picture? No, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. We did. We just we just saw it. Just just went by. We've been tracking it for weeks, and it finally went by, and you didn't take a picture? Uh, we, we just, we, we just, we, we barely saw it. Um, we've been waiting for this moment, and you know, we need, you did not take a picture? No. I really needed you to take a picture. What are you people doing here anyway? I really needed that picture. And you guys are doing nothing. Iceberg, what was that all about? Did you know that we were supposed to get a picture of that space squid, dude? Yes. There was a sign near the mess hall that said as much. Dude, if you saw that sign and you knew it, why didn't you take a picture, dude? I don't know. I don't have a camera or know where to find one. Yeah, but man, is it like your right eye a camera? I think you've bragged about that like a thousand times, like how amazing of a photographer you are. Yes, it is, but it is for personal use up until the day that I am contracted by Pooptronics as a photographer. If the show ain't for dough, then you won't see the bro. If the show ain't for dough, then you won't see the bro. I get it, Iceberg. You're only in it for those, for those Benjamins. But dude, we gotta, we gotta try to get along here, man. Things aren't, Things aren't like they were up on the Jupiter moon base. This place is like way more serious. If by serious you mean lame, then I agree with you. It is very lame up here. I do not like it and neither does engineer Emily. Well, what about Ensign Kate, dude? Does she like it? I haven't had the chance. Like, we we recorded some stuff, but we haven't really, like, talked about it. I haven't spoken to her. She has been in her quarters since we arrived. I think she has some sort of ocean-based flu or something. Well, that's no good, dude. Uh, look, I, I think we should get up out of here. I, I don't, I don't know, man. Let's, uh, let's, let's try to find some other place to do this. There, there has to be like more remote rooms around this place that nobody's using for stuff. Let's, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna try to find some place to record where we're not under everybody's feet. So. We'll be back in a minute with At The Movies. I'm going to talk about the only movie I saw last week. That was 
That was a movie called Mamma Mia. In a moment, at the movies without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper, but you've got icy robots, so that's something, right? To sing and dance. And have the time of your life. Let's get the party started. Grandma, you weren't invited. That's the best kind of party, little girl. Mama Mia, here we go again in cinema soon. So, uh, we found a nice place. We're, we're in, like, a storage, storage cabinet. Uh, so, th- this past week, my gals, you know, the wife and, and the daughter, they went to the movies, and they, they asked me if I wanted to go. And I don't think that they thought that I was going to say yes. They were going to see, uh, Mamma Mia 2, uh, Here We Go Again, the sequel to the massive hit. Mamma Mia, the musical with all the, uh, the ABBA music, but I surprised them, and I'm like, yeah, I'll go. I love a musical. I love a musical so much. I wish that, I wish people would just, like, break into song and dance in real life. I wish that I could bust some dance moves and just, like, have these, have these scenes where it's like we're in public and everybody's dancing in synchronization. It's great. I love it. I wish life were like that. I love to, uh... I sing my way through my life. I'm singing all the time. I I love to sing. That's just one of my things. I love a musical and I absolutely love ABBA. ABBA is one of my favorite groups of all the times. I love a well, well well-crafted pop ditty. And these, these guys, they can, they can craft a pop tune like no other. I also, I really like the, I like the way the singers sound kind of monotone in the way that they're not really... They're not singing in their native tongue, so they 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 inflect differently than a native speaker would. It kind of kind of gives them like this robotic quality that I I really like. My my favorite ABBA song of all the ABBA songs is SOS. I just love it. I love that song so much. Can't you hear me? S-O-S. It is. It is fantastic. So I went into this movie thinking it's going to be a lot of fun. I I couldn't imagine how it couldn't be. I, I've only seen like parts of the first one on cable or whatever. I, I did not go when they went the first time because they went like gals only. It was these two gals and then a couple other gals. This time less gals. I was invited. I, I went and even though... Hold on. There's a phone in here? Let me, uh, I apologize. Let me, this might be important. It might be about that. Uh, hello? Oh, uh, I think you have the wrong number. There's not a Julie here. Julie Walsh now. No worries. Bye. That was super weird. I... I am literally in, like, a storage cabinet right now. I don't even know why they would have a phone in here, but 
I, uh, you know, I think that Julie Walsh is the name of that, that fish doctor. Not the one who was knocking on the door. I don't think that was her name, but I think that, I think that was, maybe that was her name. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I might have spoken too soon. Uh, at any rate, we, we went to see Mamma Mia and I didn't like, I didn't necessarily know a lot of the story that was going on. I could kind of glean it, you know. It wasn't the, wasn't like the most complicated plot that I've ever, that I've ever come across. It stars Amanda Seyfried and Lily James from Baby Driver. She was Deborah in Baby Driver and Colin Firth. Cher is in it. It is, it's like a very good cast. Alexander Skarsgård is in it. Is that the... No, Stellan Skarsgård. That's right. He's Stellan. Is the is the father from from Thor? He's in Thor. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm a little I'm still a little thrown by that. I hope I think I might have I think I might have made a mistake. I'm not even sure if we're supposed to be in here, but I need I need a quiet place. The movie was the movie was a lot a lot of fun they did sos which i thought was great they do a ton of great abba songs and they do them they do them fairly frequently this is this is like a full-on musical they go from song to song to song to song to song fairly quickly so if that's like if that's what you're looking for if you like a nice musical like that this definitely delivers on uh all the promises of the trailers we've been We've been seeing the trailers for this over at uh, the Summerfield Theater forever. This was this was like a giant Summerfield movie. Every once in a again, you get something that's like a big like a big opening over at the Artie Farty Theater. You know, you got your Black Klansmen, you know, your Spike Lee joints. You get your you get your musicals. You know, for the uh, for the older folks and the ladies. It's you know, this is what they this is what they wait for. This movie, I believe, is being regarded well. I don't see, I don't see what there isn't to like about it. They, they move along fairly quickly. Lily James is absolutely charming. She is, you know, she was the, I would say, the female lead of Baby Driver, last year's Summer Movie Award winner, and she has... Maybe, I don't know, like, all the songs in this. And she really, she really comes through as far as being a, as far as being a singer, as far as being a dancer. She really excels. She's, she's quite fetching. And, uh, I, I, you know, I see big things in, in her future. I don't see why not. She, she definitely has a star quality. That's for sure. All right, let's see. Over on Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes, the movie is at 80%, meaning 8 out of 10 people who responded in. They like it. That is... That's good, man. I don't know. Uh, Let's see what else. The movie is 114 minutes. It does... It does play a bit long. This is not necessarily an epic tale, but it is... It's a bit long, but the songs keep it moving. They keep it moving along. So, with all that said, I am going to go ahead on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic. I am going to give Mama Mia, here we go again, a solid 3.5 mics. Mic. 3.5. Coffee that smells like coffee. And 
Kellogg Sugar Frosted Flakes. Kellogg's Special K for bodybuilding protein. And Kellogg's Rice Krispies. Snap, crackle, and pop. I see robots has been getting his comic book collection under control. This is his story. It really is going to be more interesting than, than, you know, it sounds in the intro. I, I've i been collecting comic books for a really long time, like seemingly all my life. I haven't been a hardcore collector all my life. There were periods where I dropped out, but I've always, I've always read comics. There were periods also where I was not uh, gainfully employed, so I wasn't reading new comics. I was... I was digging through the crates, through the uh, quarter boxes and dollar boxes and stuff. But I've always been, I've always been in the process of buying comics. And there has ever only really been one, one period of time that I had everything under control. By and large, I would just buy them and put them in long boxes in like no discernible order. And sometimes... Sometimes I would get down to putting them in tubs in no discernible order. I guess the I guess the order would be maybe by by time. You know, I would fill a box and then I would move on to another one. So all the comics from like particular periods were they were roughly together, but there was no no order and there were parts that were just that were just decimated. I would like read stuff and then put it back in different places. It was it was awful, and I imagine that a lot of you people out there collect stuff, and I know that you all know what it's like when things start getting out of control. We all we all have had those periods where there's just, like, too many action figures laying around the office, too many this laying around the that. Maybe you're into bikes and bike parts, and your whole garage is full of, like, vintage Schwinns that you're going to fix one day. But that day is going to be far in the future. Everybody has their their little thing. And sometimes these little things get, they get out of control. And this was, you know, this was one of those times. And I, I got sick of looking at this stack of stuff that I had in the back of my garage. I got sick of seeing all these comics and all these things that I would buy, that I would care about and like, and then just... Like willy nilly throw out into the uh, into the garage. I I got bothered by this, so I decided, gosh dang it, I'm going to I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to do what I can to get this in order. I I went out and I uh, the first thing I did was like I I surveyed everything and I I saw that it was it was maybe maybe about as bad as I imagined it to be in my head. I knew that it was going to be a Titanic project and it was it was about that I had maybe let's let's say I'm gonna go 12 long boxes just full of comics and then I had three or four big plastic tubs that I knew were full of comics and I also knew that some of the other boxes that I had out there of magazines papers and just what have you also had comics mixed therein. I knew that this this shelf that I got down on the Earth base where I, I keep things like under the 
under the TV. I knew there were comics there. I knew there were some comics in my closet. I knew they were, I knew they were everywhere. There were tons in the bedroom that I was reading. They were just, they were just all over the place. And I was like, this is going to be a bear to get control of. I, I like seriously did not know where to start, but you have to start somewhere. So I decided let's just, let's just dig in. Let's just start cleaning up and we're going to see we're gonna see what's what, and when I got over there, I had to do, like, some, like, general maintenance of the area first. It's also where I keep our Christmas, like, the Christmas blow molds, so there were, like, Christmas blow molds of Santa Claus, of, like, snowmen, all this stuff on top of where I had my comics, so I had to find, I had to find some new place for them, so that, that took a minute, but it was, it was kind of fun, I don't know, it's like, like neat moving plastic Santas around. I didn't, I didn't mind, didn't mind that much. But once I, once I got through with that, I sort of figured what I'm going to do is I'm going to like take a look at these long boxes. I'm going to like alphabetize each and every one individually. That seemed like the, that seemed like the place to start. I'm going to go alphabetize all 12 of these boxes. And then once I do that, I'll sort of, I'll just integrate them together. You know, I'll just... I'll start moving it, but I knew, I knew that these boxes, they were the limit. They were all the space that I had. They took up the entire, the entire shelf that I had back there was full of these. Maybe, maybe I'd be able to like tuck a couple small boxes on different shelves. If I did, if I did some more cleaning, I saw some areas that if I sort of emptied them out, I'd be able to maybe, maybe put some stuff there, but I knew... This was really the limit of what I had. So while I was alphabetizing, I was also, I was going to have to weed. Some things, some things had to go. When I was in high school, I worked as a TA in the library for a few years. I did that. So I, I know my way around a library system. I know how to organize. I know how to do all that stuff. So once I, once I started getting down to it, it all, it all kind of kind of started to flow naturally the the process of alphabetizing stuff is it's like it's really it has like a nice meditative is that the word is you know it makes like it may sort of get like you're meditating or whatever you kind of get into the vibe of alphabetizing and it's fun to do that it's very it's very relaxing I guess you know if you like that sort of thing there's probably there's probably like other people that would hate it but I I really do enjoy I enjoy putting things in order despite Despite that I don't, like, keep my comics in order. Well, I do now. But I didn't then. So, I started doing that. And I, I, you know, I began the process of, like, integrating the boxes together once I got everything, everything individually organized. The thing that was really going to, the thing that was going to, like, make or break this was the weeding process. Weeding is where you take things out and... Either they get discarded or they get sent to something like a close stacks, like an area where you, you keep things that you're not going to be using regularly, but you still, you still find worthy of keeping overall. Some of the things in a weeding process are completely obvious. Like, I had a million issues of Aquaman. They did this thing where San Diego slid off the side of California down into the ocean and somehow the people down there became like they became like fish people you know they could breathe underwater and Aquaman was the hero that started he took over the patrol work of Sub Diego that's what they called it Sub 
Diego, and he took over the process of, like, being the hero of Sub Diego, and I don't know, man, for whatever reason, I was, like, really into this at the time. This guy, this guy Ted Arcudi, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, I've never heard anyone say it, it's A-R-C- U-D-I. He wrote this, he later wrote this episode, series rather, The Doom Patrol for a while that I really enjoyed, but I, I had a million issues of Aquaman, and it was, it was gonna be fairly easy to let these go, but then it becomes like, do I file them away in the close stacks that I plan to create, or do I, do I send them off into the, uh, flea market box? It's hard to say, you got a lot of things like that, these Aquamans were vexing me, do I keep them? I managed to buy, like, 40 issues in a row. Do I keep these? Am I ever going to look at these again? Eventually, I I used that as the criteria. Am I ever going to look at this again? If I felt like I would want to read these over again, that I decided they will move on in the next step of the process. If I felt like I'm never going to look at these again. They got sent off to the uh, the other side. There, of course, were, there were, like, some, you know, variables in this. If something had, like, some value, of course, I would keep it. Like, I came across a whole run of the first series of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And while, while I will not ever look at these again, I may, but I more than likely will not, I... I used to have a thing for Alan Moore. I'm not really into Alan Moore as much as I as I used to be. So while I do deem these worthy of keeping because of their value, I may never look at them again. That's just these are just like decisions you have to make. It's hard because you also you also start to think, will I regret this in the future if I get rid of it? Will I regret it? Is a big big thing in the world of collecting. We all we all got our little collections. We talked about that earlier, and the feeling of will I regret it if I get rid of it is really something that weighs heavily. So I had to I had to factor that in. Another factor I consider when I would move things to the close stacks is is this series completed? If it's no longer being produced, it stood a greater chance of being moved to the close stack. It was it was it was a process. I ended up getting rid of. A lot of things. I'll, I'll, I'll let you off the hook on this one. I did. I did move the Aquamans into the getting rid of pile. Also, all the Doom Patrols. I remember. I remember loving this Doom Patrol that our QD was writing for a while. And these all. These all got moved. A lot of random DC miniseries like 52. I had almost every issue of 52. Those got. Those got moved. We'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about that in a sec. We're going to, uh, let's take a quick commercial break. Give me, let me get a chance to get a sip of some coffee and do some stuff. I'll be right back after this. Oh my God, it's coming. The thinkers are tackling you. Whoa. That's a cool commercial. I think that the kid in it was DJ on Roseanne. I'm not, I'm not sure you can find that. Uh, I'm sure you can find that somewhere on the internet. Check that out for, for yourself. I, I like White Castle. I, I really could go for a White Castle burger right about now. I like how, I like how they're like, uh, they're kind of like steamed, you know, so they, they're, they're wet in a way. You wouldn't really think a wet burger like that would be good, but they are, 
they are pretty good in their in their own individual way that a fast food burger is a good burger. They are they are good. Where were we? We had talked about the weeding process a bit, so let's just like jump ahead. I got all of the boxes in order, right? And I weeded out I weeded out a bunch of stuff right off the top that I knew that I knew I didn't want to keep, like these Aquamans, like these Doom Patrols, a million billion, like just random 90s comics, just random 90s issues of this, random 90s issues of that, all kinds of weird, weird stuff. I don't even know why I even, why I even bought in the first place, went off into these, I put them in boxes, and I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with these later, but there's, there's a lot. They got put into like banker's boxes, you know, like those cardboard boxes with lids. I got box upon box upon box of them all over the place. I, I... I made some interesting discoveries when I, when I put these, when I put these things in order. I, I kind of figure that the books you like the most are the books that you actually buy the most of. The things that you're like driven to go out there and put actual money into are the things that you obviously must like the most. If that, if that all makes sense, I, I think that it rings true to at least... At least like a high degree, if not a certainty. And the things that I discovered I had a lot of were really interesting to me. I have like a million She-Hulk comics. I have the entire, the entire dance slot run where it's like, it's a little more comical. It's a lot like Harvey Birdman on uh, Adult Swim where... She-Hulk is a lawyer. In her alter ego of uh, Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk is a lawyer and she gets hired on by this law firm to to take all these like superhero related cases. It's really it's really funny. I like that. I like that a lot. I got that all the way through the Peter David run and I got like a lot of the earlier She-Hulk comics. There's so many She-Hulks in my collection. Another one that I have like a bazillion of is is Dazzler. I guess I love Dazzler as much as anybody. Dazzler is like this disco-based mutant. She was like an X-Men related character. She could like, she could create like light and energy with her, with her music. She was like a, a disco pop singer too. I don't know, man. I, I don't know how many of these Dazzlers I've actually read, but I have near the entire run of Dazzler, including, including six different copies of Dazzler number one. I know that I buy that one every time I see it at the flea market, but I have like six copies all the way through. I have like so many doubles of these Dazzlers. Like I like the cover, I take it home and then it just went into a box. But now that I got them all in order, I see so many duplicates. I have like a zillion. This may be the one that I have the most of. I have like a zillion various Batman comics. I I had to go as far as to like dedicate a whole section of the clothes stacks just a Batman. So I have like a million detectives, a million Batman, a million just like various Batman side things. I included like various Robin miniseries, various just, you know, anything related to the Bat family. I have an entire long box just jam-packed. If I get any more Batmans and I read Batman presently, Batman is one of the best comics on the market right now. If you read comics presently, read Batman. It's terrific. So I'm going to be adding to this box. At some point, I'm going to have to get like two boxes of Batmans. I, 
I also love the Avengers. I have the entire Bendis New Avengers run and how, how it led into like Mighty Avengers and all these things. If you go by the comics I actually buy, Brian Michael Bendis is like far and away my favorite comic writer. And I do believe that that's true. I think that he he weaves very, a very intricate tale. And I I go for that in a, in a lot of ways. So I got like this entire Avengers thing. I got how it went into the Thunderbolts. There was, there was this thing. Brian Michael Bendis started this like the Avengers start off as a team and then it goes into the Civil War and then it goes into like a secret scroll invasion that leads to at least a Norman Osborn becoming the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D., which he renames Hammer. And then he replaces the Avengers with the Thunderbolts. The Avengers become like effectively criminals. It, this whole thing, this whole thing was just so great. And I have it from like beginning to end. And I, I love that I have it. Ben, this could like, he can spread an intricate tale. Another one that I have like in the entirety of his is Powers. Powers was a... Uh, I think they made a TV show. It was on the Sony PlayStation Network. Powers is about policemen who work in a world where people have superpowers. It's great. I have the entire run of that. The thing is, now, this drove me bananas. He did it at first for Image. And the Image run is all, it's just numbered one through whatever. But then he signed with Marvel and he moved Powers over to Icon, right? And when he would, when he would do it at Icon, he would do like a few in a row then stop for a while because he had to do these Avengers projects. So he'd stop Powers for a while and then he would come back. But when he came back, he would start over at number one. So I had all these that I could not figure out like what volumes they are because they don't say like Powers Volume 3, number one. It's like, we're back. Every third or fourth issue of Powers says, we're back. And they're all number one. And it took me forever to figure these out. I had to open each one up and look at the actual like publication date. It took forever but in a lot of ways, it was a lot of fun. What uh, what really made it fun was it, I had something to do. I had something to do that I could keep my mind on, that I could see. I could see it was like starting to unfold. I could see how great it was going to be when I was when I was all done. Oh, another another few characters that I got a million of. This is kind of my favorite part of this was just like going through. And discovering these things and putting them in order and and seeing what I had. One of one of the characters that I have like a zillion of is is Daredevil. I, I guess I love Daredevil. I knew that I did. I have, like, the entire run that started with Kevin Smith signing on with Marvel to write Daredevil. I, I had fallen out of comics, you know, for a while. Just, I wasn't working. I didn't have money for new comics. But I, I fell back into it when I found out that Kevin Smith was going to be writing Daredevil. I hadn't, I didn't have, like, a ton of experience with the character. I thought he was cool. But I, I jumped into it heavy with him, and then after he did it, Brian Michael Bendis took over, and he did this, this amazing tale of Matt Murdock's life. It was just, it is just so great. I have all of that. I have, I have maybe every comic that Jessica Jones has ever been in. I have all of Alias, then Alias led to the Pulse, and I have all of the Pulse, and then I have the entire, the entire Jessica Jones run. I have all of her all of her appearances in the Avengers, I guess she, uh, she rates pretty high in my, in my characters that are represented in the, uh, in the comic collection. Then let's, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, about the clothes stacks area, I guess. I, 
I went over to the comic shop, Comics for the Win. I saw my dude Chris. I saw Tatiana, and I bought I bought a bunch of short boxes. I found like an area that that would fit maybe six or seven short boxes, and I, I got rid of all the stuff that was in there. It's all a matter of just having the courage to throw things away. And I threw away all the stuff that was there, and I I put these boxes, and I you know I set them all out in order, and I. I went through and I started taking comics out that I had a lot of, but I knew I would never read again. So I moved all of my Mike Grell Green Arrows into there. I moved all of, all of the questions that I used to read. I think it was, it was, no, he was not on Vertigo. Was he on Vertigo? The adult-oriented questions that I used to read back in the 90s. I put all those in there. I, I moved Powers into the closed stacks. That was... That was easy to be gone with. I was so frustrated. Even though it was alright, I was so frustrated with having to put these all in order that I I was more than willing to shove those over there. I put, uh, what else? I didn't put the She-Hulks. I didn't put the aliases, even though they're both done. I thought there was, like, maybe a chance that I might look at them again, but I, I don't know if I might look at these Mike Grills, even though I am, like, a giant fan of Mike Grill. Oh, I put Hellblazer. I have... I have almost an entire run of Hellblazer. I am, like, a really big Garth Ennis fan, and I love... John Constantine is the lead character of Hellblazer. He's, like, he's like this British magician, and he fights devils and stuff. This was a Vertigo title. I used to be crazily into Vertigo, and most of the Vertigo stuff actually did get moved into the closed stack. For example, 100 Bullets... That was another comic that I, I enjoyed. That was by Brian Azzarello. In that, a person is gifted a gun and a briefcase with 100 bullets. And the bullets are completely untraceable. And they can use these to eliminate anybody that they want. They they kind of would give it to people who had enemies, you know. And enemies that would uh, deserve a shooting. My, uh, my suicide squads, they got moved into the close stacks. The Jerry Ostrander suicide squads, Deadshot. Captain Boomerang, the Bronze Tiger, Rick Flag, uh, the Enchantress. Who else was in that? Pretty much everybody. Plastique was in it for a while. The Black Orchid, Shade, the Changing Man. I I can't even I can't even keep track. I got like almost a complete run of that. That got moved. That got moved into the closed stacks. I discovered that I have like a lot of war comics, so I. I actually designated a separate box for war and western. Because when you're in the mood for, like, a western comic, you know, if you're in the mood for, like, some Jonah Hex or some all-star western or some Batlash, you, uh, you're in the mood for some Batlash, you know, so you want to go directly to the box that has the G.I. Combat with Gravedigger and Balloon Buster, Sergeant Rock. I have a lot, a lot, a lot of Sergeant Rock. Let's, uh, let's take another... Quick commercial break. I gotta get a drink of something. My throat's starting to starting to burn up. And when I come back, we will we'll briefly talk about what I'm gonna do with some of these comics I plan on discarding. Oh yeah, let me show you why we're called the original one-stop right. shop. Hi, Kevin. Gee, I love this town. Need a loan because you just had a big weekend and now you're in for a very yeah, small week. Or maybe you're looking for that something special at a bargain price. Well, here at the pawn shop, we've been making loans, buying, selling, and trading for nearly 30 years. Hi, Dad. So the next time you're in need of money or looking to save some, remember the original one-stop shop, the pawn shop. Hi, Michael! Gee, I love this town. 
This episode of the Good Old Toys R Us Report is brought to you by the Pawn Shop on 4th Street up there in lovely Santa Rosa, California. Gotta love a local commercial. Gee, I love this town. So what I'm gonna do to help out this town with these comics that I got is, I don't know, are you guys familiar with this? This, like, small lending library deal that's going around now. The... The basic idea is you buy a kit or you build yourself a small little box on a pole. You put it in front of your house and inside of it, you put books in there that you you let people borrow and return if they want. What I'm going to do with these comics is we're going to set up, we're going to set up a small little lending library. We're going to put the little box right in front of the house and I'm going to put these comics in them. I'm going to fill it up and then when it's emptied, I'm going to... Fill it up again until all these comics are gone. I think it's going to be fun. I I really do dig this small lending library project. There's a bunch of them here in Santa Rosa. There's one, like, the block over from here, and there's one a few miles away. This will be the only one on my street, and this will be the only one that I've seen that has comic books in it. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping maybe some kids will come by, get some of these Aquamans, learn about Sub Diego, and maybe become comic book readers. I fear for the future of print comics because I don't, I don't ever see kids when I go to the the comic book store. I think it's because it's kind of an expensive hobby and I'm hoping like maybe if I give these books out for free, people will pick up the, you know, the love that I have for Aquaman and the love that I have for all these comics that I no longer want. Uh, beggars can't be choosers, man. You don't get the ones I want, you get the ones I don't want, and, uh, you'll be happy with that. So, that's basically it. I guess I didn't even need that last commercial break. I apologize for that. I probably should have just gone all the way through. But if you have, if you have, like, a collection of some sort and it's out of control, get it in control. You'll be very happy when it is. I love going out to the garage. I put little dividers in. It looks, it looks like my own small little comic store. It makes me so happy to have all these things in order. And you too, you too can share in the happiness. So with all that said, let's move into the final segment of the show. You made it this far. It's time. The final segment. The Icy Robots Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. All right, Cracker Jacks, it is me, Icy Robots, and we are back for the final segment of the show. This is the one where in which I talk about things I bought, maybe some toys I picked up, things like that. Things that are, things that are popping off over at the flea market, and as of late... We have been doing, we've been doing viewer voicemails and tweets, listener voicemails and tweets, I guess. Uh, so, let's, you know, let's dig into that. I think it's, I think it's kind of fun. Sometimes you guys ask questions and it gives me, gives me things maybe to talk about. Let's, uh, I got that. I got it all booted up here on the, on the answering machine. I just gotta, I gotta fidget around with it and see what... See what is cracking off. Uh, we got, we got a, uh, oh, we got a tweet. Not a tweet, rather a text. And it looks like it's coming in from our dude, Mighty Matt D. And he says, ISR. So, I haven't seen a single one of the movies that received an award. How crazy is that? I feel like a weirdo who doesn't see enough movies. Or many at all, really. But it was a cool episode, even though none of those Hollywood types bothered to show up. What's up with that, anyway? What's up, Mighty Matt D? Nice to hear from you. 
Still appreciate all those great Pokemon gifts. Even if you're not out on the road selling brushes, I still, I still like it. Uh, I don't know, man. We do this big show every year. It's like a gigantic gala. And no one ever even bothers to come. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully someday in the future somebody will, but I can't, I can't promise that. It would be nice. Maybe, uh, maybe I should just start basing the nominations around who, who would actually show up. I think that a lot of, a lot of award shows operate that way. Like, if the Fresh Prince showed that he had interest in getting for, for example, a Blockbuster award or whatever, and he said, I'll come. They would for sure give him the biggest one there is. Maybe I should reach out to like, like Michael Zorick, guys like that, and say, hey, I could give you an award if you just show up and get it. And maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. Probably wouldn't. I don't know. No one has so far. Based on, based on what we have so far, I guess we would have to say, no one ever will <laughs> show up. Mighty Matt D, thanks for the kind words. He was, of course, talking about the Summer Movie Awards. I don't know if I mentioned that. The... The Notorious MMD is a good Pokemon friend of mine. Let's see. We got a... Oh, we got a voicemail. Let's check that out. Hey, this is Joe. Um, I, uh, I was curious. What, what would be your Mount Rushmore of superheroes? You can only pick four. I think there's some pretty obvious ones, but I think that it also kind of uh, says something about you uh, as a person. Your Mount Rushmore of of superheroes. Anyway, that was my question. Thank you. Love the show. Bye. Hey, Joe. Thanks for the question, man. That is an interesting and also pretty timely question with this whole comic book thing going on. Joe, Joe's a show patron, great Santa Rosa guy, good pal of, good pal of Gino Vega. He's a great guy all around. He used to, used to work at Video Droid. We got to give it up to all the Video Droid employees that are in the, uh, in the present or the past. I guess it's all in the past now, which is, which is sad to say. So let's, let's dig into this. I think if I had to do like an overall Mount Rushmore of superheroes, like this would be, this would be the one, you know, of just like who, who's the greatest. I'm going to go probably like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Captain America. You get, like, two from Marvel, two from DC. Batman, Superman, they're the biggest. Spider-Man seems to be the the biggest of all the Marvel heroes. But then the secondary slot's kind of interesting because it's like, is it Iron Man? Is it Wolverine? There's a lot of ways you can go. I go I go with the most noble hero in all of heroism, Captain America. Now, if you're asking me my personal Mount Rushmore, and I do think this is what you're asking me. You were... You're pretty clear about that. My my personal Mount Rushmore, and this is like basing this upon the you know the actual comics that I've that I've bought and read. I would have to say it is a uh, Dazzler, uh, She Hulk, uh, Daredevil, and Batman. I guess are the four that I have like the most of. But I think that at at different times, it would be, like, different levels of interest. Because I could definitely see a time in the past where my my personal Mount Rushmore of that time period would be, like, The Question, The Green Arrow, and then, like, John Constantine, and the fourth? I don't know, man. I've always, always been into, like, Batman, you know? So he could probably even be, like, be, like, on it back then, but... I, okay, for a final, for a final pick, I am going to say my personal Mount Rushmore in all of comicdom. This is the one, 
I'm going to answer the question. This is the answer. I would have to go Daredevil, Batman, Dazzler, and She-Hulk. I guess that's it. I don't know. That's the way it goes. It might also be Daredevil, uh, Batman, Power Man, and Iron Fist is a potential one. But I'm going to go with the uh, with the one that I went just previously. All right. Thanks for thanks for the call, Joe. That was that was a good one. Some good thought provoking material. Before I get like completely off this topic, I have to address Batgirl. Everybody out there who listens to the show knows I'm a giant fan of Batgirl, and I have I have in the past read Batgirl comics. I have I have you know a moderate amount in the collection, and I have like a million different uh, Batgirl figures. But I I kind of think that my actual fandom for Batgirl is more toward Yvonne Craig who played Batgirl on the TV show. I think she's cool. I love the character design. Love the way she looks. Think she's super neat. But I don't... I don't have, like, the... The amount of Batgirl comics in my collection that would show, like, a serious, serious interest. And this could just be... They've never put, like, any thought-provoking writers behind Batgirl comics to, like, really give her, like, a push to make you want to read her. But... I don't know, you know, that is what it is, I, I guess it is, let's, uh, let's see, we got, oh, we got another voicemail, let's, uh, let's check this one out, alright, here we go. Picture this, it's Wednesday morning at Sensational Manor, the Sensational One, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega wakes up, gets out of his Sensational bed, strolls into his Sensational kitchen, recently redesigned and stocked with nothing but the most precision, state-of-the-art culinary instruments. Turns on the sensational podcast machine and starts listening to this week's episode of the Toys R Us Report podcast. He hears about Cover Girl. He hears about Major Blood. He hears about Gung Ho, the first sensational show the Mr. Sensational ever owned. He hears about Dustro, and all that's fine, and all that's good, and he pours himself a cup of sensational coffee. And what does he hear next? Here, here's some classic wrestling Jane Brown calling into the show to start running his mouth. Now the sensational one hears this coming out of Bomb's basements the world over. Wrestling's not good anymore. I only like classic wrestling. Well, Mr. Classic Wrestling, let me take you on a little trip down memory lane. The sensational one comes from a time when champs were champs. And you should know full well that a real champion only graces the big cards. You want to hear a new MSGV podcast? Well, you're going to have to wait. Sam Martino, Hogan, Blair, the people had to wait and pay to see them defend those belts. Were they tossing out title matches every other day for free? Oh, hell no! So let me tell you this. You talk about your aftermaths, you talk about your PWI 316, well, Sensational 316 says, new episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast coming soon on the IC Robots Radio Network. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years, brother. I think I'm just going to let that percolate for a second. I think that speaks for itself, man. Uh, that was, of course, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega from the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast here on the IC Robots Radio Network. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there was that day. Hold on, I'm reaching for something here. I brought, I brought something down with me that I, I wanted to talk about. Man, that was, um, <laughs> that was a promo and a half from our dude, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. Uh, 
I I picked up an action figure at the at the, at the flea market the other day. I and I'm gonna want to talk about that in a sec. But if you if you would love to call in, I would love I'd love to hear from you. It is 707-532-JAMS. You can either call in and leave a voicemail, or you can shoot us a text. I I love a text. You know, you don't gotta listen to it. You just read it, and it's all fun. So call us here. 707-532-JAMS is the IC Robots Radio radio hotline. I I picked up this Lieutenant Commander Jadzia Dax from the the episode of Deep Space Nine where they go they go down into the past and they have trouble with Tribbles. There's this guy at the flea market and he sells these for a dollar each. He's there every week and every week I pick one up. I got I got so many of these Playmates Star Treks laying around and I thought I'm going to I'm gonna open this one. Why don't I just open it here on the air? This is it's from Warp Factor Series 1. It has a has a triples game card. In this, she is wearing the the old school Star Trek outfit, much like much like Lieutenant Uhura. Let's pop this open and see what we got inside of there. The card the card comes right off. There is, of course, the action figure. And there is there is a game card. I get to scratch something off. We'll do that in a sec. The figure. The figure's quite nice. She's wearing a red outfit like Uhura. She comes with she comes with an old school tricorder, some kind of a medical device. Let's see what they call these on the back. It is a classic Star Trek tricorder. She comes with two tribbles. Two hard plastic triples. They are plastic, a Starfleet action base, and an electronic clipboard. These are these are gray. That was one of the things about the Playmates. The accessories are always really weird colors. This is a nice outfit. She's wearing a she's wearing a short skirt. She has a bun. She's wearing boots. Um, her legs are out. This is a nice figure. I like this. I think I might I think I might put this one up there. Who else came in? In this series, you got uh, Dr. Bashir, you got Captain Koloth, a uh, Klingon from the original series. Then also from Deep Space Nine, you got Miles O'Brien in a red shirt. Constable Odo and Captain Commander, rather, uh, oops, I knocked that down. Nope, he is in fact Captain Sisko. I have the, I have the Captain Sisko from this set. He's wearing the uh, yellow Captain Kirk outfit. Um... Let's see. Let's bust open this game card here. It is a, you scratch off a trib and you get the chance to win. We are popping this open. This is a, this is an audio unboxing of this action figure here. I really do, I really do like these Playmates. The the gimmick with the accessories and why they were always weird colored. I read this in a Toy Fair magazine. They said that they said that they wanted to whip these out. As fast as they could after the episode airs. And one of the ways they had to do that, they didn't get to get the fine details on the accessories. So a lot of times you're getting like, I have a wharf with like a neon orange batlith, you know, for example. Uh, let's see. So you got this card here and you have to try to, you try to scratch off these tribs and you see what you get. The first one, it says green. There's a green tribble. The second one is not a green triple. It is a Deep Space Nine space station. And the third, the third is, it says one point. And who is that? Is that, that is Nog? No, that is um, the other Ferengi chap. The one who is, the one who is the son who ends up joining 
joining Starfleet. Do I get anything here? Let's see. You have to match all three, and I not, I didn't even match two, but you could have won a trip to Paramount Studios, a uh, relic from the set, some toys, a CD-ROM, or a comic book. Any of those, any of those would be fun. This is a nice action figure. I am definitely going to, I'm definitely going to put this one on, um, up with the, I got a whole little area above my desk down on the Earth base. It has a ton of a ton of these playmates. I have most of the next-gen bridge crew, and then I'm presently working on the uh, the Deep Space Nine crew. I I don't have a lot of Voyagers. I have a seven of nine, but I I haven't opened her. She's hanging hanging on the wall down there. Uh, let me see. What should I give her? I'm gonna give um, Jadziadax. Jadziadax is a trill. Her her species like they take different hosts, you know. So. Um, when you die, they take, like, this wormy kind of bug out of, inside of you, and the wormy kind of bug is actually you, and they put it inside somebody else, and then you become someone else. She is that. She's actually, like, hundreds of years old, I think. I I don't know, man. This is a nice figure. It helps helps that she has a stand. I love it when a figure comes with a stand. You have so many more, so many more posing options. What else is cracking? Nothing. Man, I don't know. I've still been hitting up the targets looking for Migos. I'm still not finding the Dracula. I'm going insane. I'm going insane without having it. But it is... It is what it is until it isn't, I guess. I don't know. I think... I think I might get up out of here. My voice is starting to get a bit of a tickle in my throat. I'm getting the tickle in my throat as it... As it was... What? What else should we mention? Next week... Next week, we're going to finish up the From Ace to Zartan with the vehicles. That should probably be called, like, From Awestrikers to Z-Force Bicycles or something. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to look into that. We're going to take a look at those vehicles. That's going to be fun. Ace to Zartan 1983 Volume 1.5, uh, I suppose. So, this is... Uh, this is me, Icy Robot, signing off, and this is for Iceberg. Happy to have Iceberg on the show. Engineer Emily, Anson Kate, everybody, all the other people down here, 6.5 miles below the ocean surface, who are hanging and clanging with us. This has been the Toys R Us Report, episode number 167. If you don't know, I know. has been I See Robots Radio production. I See Robots Radio is a listener-supported in day -ha. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. Everybody love everybody! Come on! Portions of our broadcast day may be presented either in whole or in part by means of videotape or film reproduction. This is KTXL TV 40, signing off the air, ending another schedule of broadcasting. KTXL Sacramento, Stockton, California.